Oh man, oh man. Yep, that's the song. You hear it.、Uh, that, that was back in his Philadelphia days. Back in his Philadelphia days. And it still applies now. Welcome into the Chief Stone Podcast. I am Farzim Vasugian. Got a very, very exciting show. Obviously, a lot of changes coming into the show. We're doing this now once a week. So,、uh, going to be interesting how we're going to do this.、Uh, obviously, going to recap that Heartbreaker. Against the Titans, 35 32 loss in Nashville, Tennessee. We'll talk about the game.、Uh, obviously, the final two minutes,、uh, really the key parts of that football game. Just a frustrating sequence、uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. And we will talk about Andy Reid. I've got a lot of comments. My social media has blown up because of an opinion I have, and、uh, that's been quite joyous nonetheless. But that's okay. Hey,、uh, we'll discuss that on here as well. And. We will preview the next game. And also,、uh, if we have time at the end of the podcast,、uh, one or two、uh, non Chiefs related、uh, incidents took place. I actually really want to get to the ex Brown safety, Jermaine Whitehead.、Uh, he got released over some really interesting tweets.、Uh, trolls, essentially, is what got him fired. So we will talk about that here on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Facebook.com slash Farzi Vasugi. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You can follow Zach on Twitter at ZStegna and DJ Evans. Now joining us here on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. He is now part of our crew. You can follow him, ChiefsFanChai, on Twitter. Gentlemen, welcome in. How, how are we all doing? Life is good, Fars. I mean, minus that you know, Chiefs loss and the fact that everything is freezing here in New York now. Life's still good. I think it's、uh, might be even more colder or at least more windier in,、uh, in Chicago, isn't it, it DJ? It's,、uh, it's pretty, pretty cold here.、Uh, I, I, went to, I, w- I went west for court yesterday and it was、uh, zero degrees. So,、uh, oh, you've got, got the cold cities covered. And、uh, I'm glad <laughs> to be the third wheel. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why we brought you in. Yeah, that, we're going off, to,、uh, off of climate and everything.、Um, no, in all seriousness,、uh, very excited to have DJ on.、Uh, DJ and I, I mean, you mentioned before when we had you on the podcast a couple weeks ago, you mentioned this is the first podcast you listened to. I know you've done some Chiefs podcasting out there, so、uh, definitely glad to have you on. And、uh, you, picked a, you picked a really good episode to join us, DJ. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was trying to figure out what we might talk about uh, tonight. Um, yeah. You know, that was a kind of a boring game, and nothing really happened. Yeah,、uh, except it was the complete opposite. Look, Let me,、uh, let's get right into it. And by the way, again, follow Zach on Twitter and DJ on Twitter. I mentioned their,、uh, their Twitter handle, so give them a follow as well, especially now that、uh, both are now part of the show. Zach, of course, joined over the summer, and DJ now part of the show as well.、Uh, all right, let's get right into things. Because,、uh, like I said, there's three of us now, so I'm sure we're going to have a lot more to say. So, a、uh, little time to waste here. All right, let me just 
uh, we'll talk about Andy Reid in a moment. I want to stick with this game for right now. This was, this is a team that has had Kansas City's number. I mean, they have found a way to break Chiefs fans' hearts. The Titans have had. And you look at the sequence in the final two minutes. I mean, you led this game 10-0. Probably should have been 14-0. But hey, uh, you led the game 10-0. And you also had a nine-point lead in the fourth quarter. The Chiefs had every reason to win this game. I don't know what their win percentage was on ESPN. If you go to ESPN's box score or their game cast, whatever you call it, as the game goes on, they have like a percentage uh, for every second of the game, I guess. Like, you know, how many percent chance the Chiefs have a, a chance of winning? I don't know what it was for the Chiefs in the fourth quarter after McCole Hardman's touchdown uh, pass, which Patrick Mahomes looked great, threw for more than 400 yards, three touchdowns, but unfortunately, that 446 yards, 36 of 50, three touchdowns, but unfortunately, that's not the story of this game uh, in his comeback. The story is the final two minutes, that third and two call where... You have you drop this tight end screen to Blake Bell, and I'm I'm very confused by that play call, especially when you when you have better options for two yards. Damian Williams just ran five yards on the previous play. Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey are down the field, and you call up a play that you know you probably had better options. And then the the whole field goal situation. Let me just explain this. I went back and watched the game, uh, the replay. I watched when they tried to show the snap live, the director and the technical director, they actually showed the snap late. So you already see the intentional grounding happening. And even in the moment I was kind of confused, I was like, wait, why did they just suddenly switch camera angles like that? When you look at the replay, Dustin Colquitt looks at his kicker as he's had in Kansas City. He's obviously worked with so many kickers, different kickers. He looks at the kicker, then he looks at the long snapper, and that's the signal to snap it. He looked at Winchester, and then he looks at something over in Tennessee sideline. I don't know what he's looking at, but by the time he looked at Winchester, that's Winchester's cue to snap it. And I don't know why Colk was holding up his arms. I don't know if he was confused about the intentional grounding or if he was frustrated with Winchester. He gave the signal. So that is 100% on Colquitt. And then the d- defense, letting Ryan Tannehill put on his best Michael Vick slash Marshawn Lynch impression, just bulldozing through some of our guys, bulldozed through uh, Thornhill, the rookie on that two-point conversion. Uh, and then, you know, the field getting blocked in the end. Uh, Zach, I don't know about you, but I went back and watched that last two minutes. That has to be the most frustrating sequence of football in Chiefs history I can ever recall. I mean, given our illustrious history of frustrating football, I hate to say that I think you're probably right on that. I mean, I can't remember the last time that I was just sitting here, you know, wanting, trying to decide between, you know, swearing at the top of my lungs, throwing things, or just turning the TV off, quitting, and going and doing something else with my day. Because, seriously, just the sheer volume of mental errors in... I mean, you know me, Fars. You know I hate watching people run all over a defense. You know, I think that that's just a toughness thing. And don't get me wrong, Derrick Henry's, you know, a monster. He's much bigger than most uh, of the guys trying to tackle him out there. But still, it's just unacceptable, and it's a gut-wrenching way to lose. DJ, how did you feel about those last two minutes of the game? <laughs> so, <laughs> when you talk about the most frustrating two minutes of Chiefs football, I... I've been around this uh, team a little bit longer than you guys. Um, 
because I'm showing my age, but um, <laughs> it it was it, it's right up there. And I've I've been to the Chiefs Titans playoff game uh, from 2017 where I watched an 18 point lead evaporate, and when Mariota caught a touchdown pass that he threw to himself. Um, I looked over at my wife and said, game over. And we were still up by, I think, 11 at that point. Um, so I think, you know, we look at the Vikings game, right? And we say, that's a, that was a team win. Like, the whole team won that game. Every facet of that game, like, of the team, like, came out and showed up. You could actually say that Sunday's game against the Titans was a team loss. Every, every phase of the game, special teams, coaching, um, drop passes, run defense, uh, Traverius Wardog letting that long pass be complete. It it, it was so frustrating. But the, the, those last two minutes, um, I'm still trying to figure out. You asked about the percentage, uh, the ESPN per- win percentage. I know that on third and two, uh, when the Chiefs had the ball with un- uh, under two minutes left, that it was 99.6 percent chance the Chiefs no were going to win that game. 99.6% chance. So the Titans had a 0.4% chance of coming back <laughs> and winning that game, and they did. And so... Uh, and when you, no, uh, go ahead, uh, go ahead. Zach, when you said that you th- like whether you should throw something, uh, I might have thrown my glasses. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I can't man. blame you there, man. I mean, yeah, it was... I, I didn't know the stats were that bad, but all I'm saying is that you know, as a Chiefs fan, this is why I drink. It's it's bad. I mean, it's, you know, and you've got such a great fan base. And, you know, as far as, like, Chiefs fans who sold their tickets last week and players complaining about it, I don't want to, in, in referring to Charverius Ward and Chris Jones, I don't want to hear a single Chiefs player complaining about fans ever again because you have far more pressing matters second of all it's like look and dj i know you're a season ticket holder and you got some crap for this look if i'm looking to sell my ticket and you are willing to give me the price i'm asking for give me the give me your money and and have my tickets all right you you know some people don't want to attend maybe it's because patrick's not playing maybe it's because they're busy. Something's come up. Maybe they just don't want to go. Okay, you you can't control what people want to do with their lives. And people want to say, well, why would you buy season tickets? Okay, you know what? Fair. Uh, things come up though as the season goes on. Uh, it just does. Uh, so, point being though, I don't want to hear a single Chiefs player complain about this ever again. Is that fair to say? I I, I think I think fans are proving why they sold their tickets. If we're being honest, I think you're partially right there. By the same token, I think that, you know, I, I hear where they're coming from, too, because you want to see a little bit of the home field advantage, especially with the, you know, long-term pride that is the Arrowhead home field advantage. I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just because I grew up, you know, in the uh, you know Vermeil era, uh, you know, Chiefs teams where, you know, I remember sitting up at the back of that stadium and just it being absolutely deafening. Uh, you know, I think there's a pride factor there that, you know, as Chiefs fans specifically, I think that there's, you know, I'm a little bummed to see it, but by the same token, you know, I didn't have the money to cough up for season tickets, and so I'm not going to, you know, far be it for me to tell people who did what to do with their tickets. I think that it'd be cool if there was an option on StubHub to be like, all right, you know, identify yourself as a fan a little bit. I don't know if how you could actually verify it worth anything, but I think it'd be, you know, if I was saying selling a ticket for 100 bucks, you know, to a Vikings fan versus, you know, 60 bucks to a Chiefs fan, 
I'd probably make that deal. I think that's a business opportunity for somebody out there. Yeah, and that's yeah. that. That's not the reason why I got season tickets. Uh, I got season tickets to go to the games. I figured I would sell like at least half of them. Um, and I uh, maybe I was naive and thought if I'm reselling them, they're probably going to go to Chiefs fans. But I it wasn't really a big consideration for me. And actually, being at so many of the games the last three years, I, I really, really think that the home field advantage that we once had is kind of not been as big a deal as it was in the past. I think teams have adjusted. You are 100% right. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah, I, teams have adjusted to it. And we're trust me, we've been out there. We're, we're loud. The, the The stadium is rocking. I, I can't hear for a few days after the game. And it's not because I'm 40. Um, it's because that, that, that stadium still rocks. But teams have adjusted to the to the, the crowd noise, and they, they do silent counts, they do whatever. You saw it against the Patriots last year. We had They had three consecutive third and ten conversions. Uh, the crowd was deafening. Like, it was the loudest I've ever heard it as, as I've been, actually been there. I know it's been louder. And it didn't matter. Um, the, at the end of the day, the players have to play. The players have to. And what's funny about what you said um, I don't know if you caught this on Twitter, but um, somebody had mentioned uh, Chris Jones and said maybe Chris Jones should call out some of the players on defense this week like he called out the fans. Chris Jones liked that tweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, well, that's interesting. He um, actually liked the, the tweet. Way, he was like one of two people that liked the tweet. It was interesting. I think uh, Adam, that we both have met, uh, retweeted it. It's, and so oh, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was that was interesting to me. I want. I wonder if he was agreeing with it. I don't know. Uh, it, but I, it's overblown. Um, I, I of course I want the whole crowd to be red. I want it to be all Chiefs. I think when we play the Raiders on December first, it's going to be mostly Chiefs. It'll be probably a ninety ten uh, percentage. But it's it's not as important as it used to be. And 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 quite frankly, the Titans uh, game. I I want to say we probably had. At least 30% Chiefs fans there? Oh, a lot of Chiefs fans. You know, we're getting a little off topic, but let me just say this. Because we're talking about that game where there were a lot of Vikings fans. And every, a lot of people are bringing up injuries with this football team. I mean, First of all, Anthony Lynn, the head coach of the Chargers, he did an interview on SiriusXM. And he said, look, we're dealing with injuries, but that's not an excuse. And then he referenced that the team leading the division right now, the Chiefs, they're dealing with a lot of injuries, and they're still on top of the division. Obviously saying... The Chiefs are dealing with injuries, and, you know, they're, they're doing fine. I mean, it sounds funny to us right now that, that he would say that. And this was like a couple of weeks ago, to be clear. Um, but my point is, you beat one of the best teams, one of the well-rounded teams in the NFL the previous week in the Minnesota Vikings without the best quarterback in the NFL with Patrick Mahomes, only for this to happen the other way around. What I'm trying to get at here, first of all, I mean, obviously the inconsistency, that's been a part of it, and I want to get to that later. But there have been some conversations about whether or not the team is playing harder, maybe because there's pressure on them when Matt Moore is playing. Because when Patrick's playing, I guess the defense is slacking off because they think the MVP is going to pick him up. I personally think that might be blown out of proportion because we haven't seen Matt Moore in a 
long enough window to be able to determine that. Yeah, he played a majority of the Broncos game, and then he started two more games. Uh, and I understand in the NFL, you don't have that many games. You only have 16 each year in the regular season. So I don't know if we have enough evidence that will prove that the Chiefs defense is playing harder just because Patrick's not there. Do you guys agree with that, or do you do you agree with that sentiment? I mean, I laughed at... I laughed it off last week before the game, of course, when you know I think Skip Bayless tweeted out uh, something along those lines, suggesting maybe the Chiefs ought to stick with Matt Moore because of the fact that you know it seems like the rest of the team uh, stepped their game up a little bit. But I mean, frankly, just I mean, and again, small sample size, and it's just you know completely anecdotal. But uh, I mean, I definitely just based on what I've seen. You know, you watch the way the defense played from the Broncos game, and then especially there in the Vikings game, shutting down Dalvin Cook, compared to what we saw on Sunday, where you know they just ran all over us. I mean, it it certainly did nothing to dispel that notion that you know maybe the Chiefs play a little bit harder for more than for Mahomes. Not saying it's a Mahomes thing, but I think you know, like you said, it's it's relying on him to bail them out at least on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, it's hard to refute it based on the very, very tiny sample size we have at hand. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the the thing that confounded me um, looking at the Vikings game versus the Titans game were, were the snap counts. Um, first off, Mike Pinnell was a healthy scratch, and I, I think we all would agree that he played pretty well in the Vikings game. Um, Saunders' snaps went down significantly. Uh, Damian Wilson's snaps went down significantly. Reggie Ragland's snaps went down significantly. Um, I'm not sure what the game plan there was. I I I, I don't I don't know if anybody has asked Andy Reid about why um, that change was made, and I'm not sure why you would make that change when you're going from a, a team that runs the ball really well and you did a good job of stopping them to a team that runs the ball really well. Um, and it showed. I mean, we got run over. I mean, it, every one of our losses this year, um, we've gotten destroyed on the run. Um, close to 200 yards or more than 200 yards. And I think this game against the Titans, it was like 225 maybe. Derrick Henry a, had 188 yards that's, in this game. That's unacceptable. I mean, it's it's unacceptable. You can you can you'll never win a playoff game in January, giving up that many yards on uh, rushing. Like you just won't. And it What's, seems like outside outside of uh, the way we played the Ravens, we have trouble with quarterbacks that are mobile. Um, we had trouble with Watson. We lost that game. We had trouble with Brissett. We lost that game. Uh, we we beat the Ravens. It got a little close at the end, but I always I never felt that game was in doubt. And we had trouble with Tannehill, and Tannehill can run too. And like you said, he was running. He he was Michael Vick and maybe Earl Campbell too. I mean, he he bulldozed <laughs> some Chiefs defenders. Uh, that was bad. And injuries wise, there's one key glaring injury that, and I I used to not like this guy, and Maya culpa. For me, Eric Fisher is really, really important to this team because Cam Irving has and will get Mahomes hurt. It, it's it, it's gotten to the point where I'm, I'm just trying to find some, like what can they do to protect him on that side? Because you well, cannot can I say allow. Something? 
Yeah, go ahead. Let, let me say something. Like, yeah, you're not wrong. You are absolutely right. But this team still scored 32 points. Like, you can put Cam Irving there, and you're still producing on offense. Uh, as long as you've got Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Patrick, like this offense is still doing its thing. Crazy enough. I suppose you yeah, probably they, at third and two, you maybe don't call a screen pass to your backup tight end that drops passes. Right. <laughs> I mean, especially when you've got you know a myriad of other options at your disposal. I mean, you know, given Andy's propensity for getting cute with the play call, I mean, I don't care. Put Colin Saunders back there and let him bulldoze for the two yards. But you know. The notion that he didn't, you know, run the ball with Williams or even Anthony Sherman uh, or anything, you know, logical. He got a little too cute with it and throws to the backup tight end. Like, I mean, like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's easy to say in retrospect because it didn't work, but it was sure a head scratcher of a play call there. And also, Mahomes. Just by the way, like that, I, I was a little worried. Sorry to cut you off, but I was a little worried that Mahomes could have got hurt on that play because quickly oh, no he doubt. realized I mean, there was nothing that was gonna work well on that play and he just went down that could they have been were closing bad. in on him real quick yeah and they did it all day for the most part i mean they their pass rush did a nice job of you know doing their best to get to mahomes i mean it's a testament to the fact that his angle wasn't or his ankle wasn't gimpy this week uh yeah was the only reason that he didn't you know get hit more than he did um and i think cam irving was a massive liability there i mean you know, hearing taylor lewan uh you know come out and say at the end of the game uh, quote, you know, my penalties are an effing problem. I'm completely screwing the team. I'm a liability. Uh, it'd be really nice to see Cam Irving take a little bit of, uh, you know, ownership of what he's done so far, whether it's penalties or just getting absolutely demolished off the line. I mean, the play where uh, Mitchell Schwartz went down, uh, that was entirely because, you know, Irving got beat so bad that the angle then that the defender was able to take to get to Mahomes, who had barely completed his drop back, it went straight into the back of uh, Schwartz's knee. And, you know, just watching that on the replay especially, I was just sitting there to my, thinking to myself, like, man, he almost got two pro bowlers injured on one play. How can you do that? <laughs> uh, I do want to go back for a second on that third and two play. Do you guys, and you guys talked about, you know, you're coming up with a, play that where you're relying on your backup tight end and and I get the idea okay you know you have Tyree killed yo he can maybe uh distract a couple of defenders you've got the best tight end in the NFL uh he has more receiving yards than anyone that's not a receiver a wide receiver I should say uh he you know the idea is maybe that hopefully he'll get uh he'll distract a couple of players here um do you guys remember remember Orson Charles the backup tight end from a couple years ago Yes. In fact, he dropped a pass uh, against the Titans the last time we lost to the Titans. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. In in the tight. By the way, we have to now specify which Titans game we're referring to now because it's it, it's three of them now. But the playoff one, uh, Andy Reid called a really good play where uh, Orson Charles got open, and Alex Smith throws it right at his hands, and he drops it. If he catches that. You know you're you're still you're still in it. You got a chance to win, but uh, you know I suppose that's why he is a backup tight end. You know, um, you know pe- people have been tweeting me because I've been very critical of Andy Reid because of that play right there. Everyone's saying, well, look, you know, J- Andy Reid did not snap the football or play bad defense. Yes, but Andy Reid could have come up with something way better. 
on that third and two play. And people keep saying, you know, Andy Reid put the ball um, in uh, in his playmaker's hands. Okay, I get he gave it to Patrick Mahomes, but it also stayed with Mahomes because the idea was to get it to your backup tight end. You know, look, you only need two yards. Get it? I mean, do a jet sweep, something. There are so many plays in Andy Reid's playbook, and I've seen Andy Reid's creativity before. For some reason, it falls apart in very crucial moments, but in those situations where essentially it's a fourth down moment, it feels like, you have plays that will help you execute and, and come away with a first down. Not a tight end screen to your backup. Um, that's what frustrates me the most. And I think you brought up an interesting point there. I mean, in bringing up Charles especially there, I mean, I think that you know personnel does play a role in it. Um, you know, Andy's certainly shown the ability to make the most out of the competent weapons that he's got. I mean, I think maybe you know there's something that's not being talked about enough here, which is to say, I mean, Blake Bell just couldn't get the job done. Perhaps just throwing that out there because he's shown to be a little bit more of a liability than an asset this year. And you know, ultimately, that sort of a thing is, I think, you know primarily on Veach more so than anything else. I mean, it's a backup tight end. You should probably know better than to put that... I mean, I remember it honestly flashes me back to high school when I was playing for, you know, frankly, still one of the single dumbest humans I've ever met. That's a separate discussion. But (laughs) I remember we had an all-state quarterback, uh, you know, great running backs, great receivers. And what did we do on... You know, we were playing Blue Valley, who was, you know, a football powerhouse and still is. Um, And, you know, we were in a playoff game against them it was like i guess regionals uh and we needed to get a touchdown to win we were down by a field goal so what do we do we draw up a play and throw it to the tight end who had not gone out for a pass all year what did he do drop the ball we lost the game i expect that sort of stuff out of the coach who again i've mentioned and hopefully he's not a listener but i guess i'll pay for that if that's the case uh <laughs> you know one of the single least intelligent human beings i've ever met you know I expect it out of him, but out of Andy? Come on now. Uh, let me let, let, let's move on with this because I want to get into this. I, I took a lot of heat because I mentioned that I basically am done with Andy Reid and that I think that he should be on the hot seat right now. And if you don't win a Super Bowl this year, he should be fired. Now, Zach and DJ, I want to get your thoughts in a moment, but let me go through this list here. We have a long list of blown leads. And I'm talking significant blown leads. What's my definition of significant? I'm saying two possessions, man. Two possession, a two possession lead in the NFL is gold. It, it absolutely is. Look at some of these games here, and I'm gonna go in order, and I'll go real quick because I know you guys don't want to relive these. The uh, Indianapolis playoff game, 38 to 10, early in the third quarter. Uh, September the 17th and 2015, that was the game where Jamal Charles fumbled. The Chiefs led that game 14-0 after Marcus Peters picked six. Uh, Also in 2015 against the Bears, I believe that's the game where Jamal Charles tore his ACL. Yep. Chiefs led 17-3 at halftime, and the Bears scored 18 unanswered points to win. In December of 2016, the first... Of three blown leads against the Tennessee Titans, you led this game 14-0, uh, and then again against Tennessee in the playoffs. You led 21-3 at halftime, and when they had that lead at halftime, the way Alex Smith led his team without Kelsey, because that's the same drive, Kelsey got hurt, he threw a touchdown pass, I think it was to Demarcus Robinson, before he changed his number, his jersey. I said, man, I love the way the Chiefs move the football down the field, and that is why we're going to win a Super Bowl. That's a thought I had at halftime. And, of course, 
Tennessee scores 22 unanswered. Um, then against the Chargers, you led 14-0 in the second quarter. Then you led 21-7. And then 28-14 midway through the fourth quarter, and you still lose that football game. Uh, against the Houston Texans this year, led the uh, you started off with a 17-3 lead going into the second quarter. You only scored seven more points the rest of the way. And then the Titans game this past week, I'm not going to go into detail because you guys all know about that. Two two-possession leads in this one. Here's my confusion with this football team. Because we just had a great win last week, and then we lose to Tennessee. Uh, the tendency, in 2014, I'm sure you guys all remember the Chiefs destroyed the Patriots on Monday Night Football. And later that year, they beat the reigning Super Bowl champions, the Seattle Seahawks, who went back to the Super Bowl that year against the Patriots. But then, five days later, you lose to a winless Raiders team. And I don't care if it's Thursday Night Football on the road. I have seen the Chiefs lose home games on Thursday night. I've seen them win games on the road on Thursday night. No excuse to lose to a winless team after beating the reigning champs that year. And that's just one of many examples. Like, this is, you know what, I'll give one more example. 2017, how did we open up the season? We scored 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to beat the Patriots in Foxborough, which, which was the most shocking opening in NFL history. And what happens later that year, we lose three straight games. Uh, It was actually more than three, but at one point, we lost three straight to all the New York teams, the Giants, the Jets, and the Bills, and then eventually to the Titans at home in the playoffs. So these tendencies going on with Andy Reid, and I'll let you guys chime in here, but I'm going to conclude by saying this. Over Andy Reid's, what, 20-year career, we have had so many reasons as to why he's never won a Super Bowl. Or why he's had early playoff exits. Oh, Donovan McNabb was sick in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Uh, Kendrick Lewis was terrible against Andrew Luck. Uh, You know, what else? Travis Kelsey's concussion in that Titans game. Then we're talking about the snap with Winchester and Colquitt. You know, there's an excuse for that now. Uh, Look, folks. John Dorsey has been fired. Alex Smith took a lot of heat during his time in camp. He did a lot of great things, but towards the tail end of his career, he took a lot of heat and fans wanted to change. Uh, we wanted to change at defensive coordinator. We made a change there. We, we've changed so many players this year. And still, just when we thought the defense was turning a corner, here we are watching Der- Derrick Henry have the game of his life. Everyone is taking heat, but at the end of the day, and I don't care if Andy Reid's the offensive play caller and focusing more on offense, Because people are blaming the defense on Spags, and I agree with that. But let's just blame the head coach as well. Because he is the head coach. He is the guy who runs this football team. That's why, to be honest, I'm fed up. And I don't don't have a lot of faith in Andy Reid anymore. I just don't. I've seen this song and dance so many times. I've seen this movie script many times. I know how it's going to end this year. We're probably going to blow out the Patriots in a couple weeks. Only to lose to the Broncos the following week. I don't know. Maybe it's not going to happen that way, but... The, the script is how ha- it's a cycle. Andy Reid keeps saying he takes responsibility and he'll improve. He doesn't. That's why I'm so frustrated. And that's why I think at the end of the year, if you don't get to a Super Bowl, you got to cut ties with Andy Reid because the standard's very high. And I get he wins you a lot of games, but he also loses you some very key games as well. I mean, I hear you there. I mean, you, you do make some very good points. And just as I was looking up some of the stats to, you know, kind of back up my assertion, I honestly did a solid job of backing up some of yours as well. Uh, but, you know, first, 
first and foremost, I mean, the biggest argument you can make for Andy is that, uh, you know, among active NFL head coaches, uh, there's only one with more wins, and that's obviously Belichick. You know, Andy's shows is uh, 201. The next closest among active coaches is Mike Tomlin at 130. Uh, so he's, you know, head and shoulders above most of the league. And if you, you know, want to dive into the percentage you know, of a substantial sample size, I mean, you know, Tomlin beats him out by a little bit, uh, as does Sean Payton. But, I mean, my biggest argument, I guess, for Andy isn't so much that, you know, I have any doubt that he'll, uh, you know, come up with a way to help us lose in, again, similarly gut-wrenching fashion. But I just struggle to find what out there is better that we could realistically go out and get. That's really where I struggle with it. Like, who would you get to replace him? You raise a great point. And here's what I'll say. Look, I fully agree with this notion. If you're going to change a quarterback or change a coach or whatever, you better make sure the next guy you have is better. I do agree with that notion. Now, look, do I think there's someone better? No. That's why I'm suggesting, look, go after some young blood. Because, and I know these coaches are not doing well right now, but these these recent coordinators that have become head coaches, such as Doug Peterson and Sean McVay, they've already led coached their teams to a Super Bowl. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, Doug Peterson was an Andy Reid disciple. Okay, I get that. But Andy Reid did not win a Super Bowl. Doug Peterson did. Doug Peterson did. Uh, so th- 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 you raise a great point, Zach. I'm not refuting you at all. You know, I can maybe give you a list of some coordinators in the league. I, I-, I tweeted a couple names. Some, You know what? I, I get uh, people who, who say, uh, you know, they don't like some of the players or some of the, excuse me, uh, coordinators I mentioned. But they, they'll only pick like one name. Like I mentioned Kellen Moore, who's, the off- who's an offensive coordinator. But they don't have an issue with the other names I mentioned. Uh, again, there's no guarantee. I get that. But... I, I, my point with Andy Reid, DJ, is I think we have reached a ceiling with him. I think we truly know what that ceiling is with Andy Reid. So, I am torn on Andy Reid. I, you know, I, I want him to win a Super Bowl. I think he deserves to win a Super Bowl. He is, um, like you said, second, at least wins-wise, best coach currently coaching the NFL. Um you know, some of the, the, the stats you talked about, you know, I looked at some stats as well, and I remembered one from back when we lost to the Titans the last time, so uh, 2017 playoff game, and the stat was Andy Reid has lost two games where he has at least an 18-point lead at halftime in the playoffs. In the Super Bowl era, every other coach combined has two which is a crazy stat. Um, The stat that came out of this Titans game was, since 1983, um, the Chiefs are the second team to lose out of 91 teams who were plus 150 yards against the opponent, plus 15 minutes time of possession against the opponent, and even in turnovers. The second team out of 91. There was some other stat that I retweeted out today that I, I don't or maybe it was yesterday, I don't remember. And I, I said we're we are a part of these stats too often. It's it's kind of getting ridiculous. And I think it's I'm not ready to to be rid of Annie Reed. Um and part of it is 
you like stability. We didn't have stability before Andy Reid. We had we had Todd Haley after Herman Edwards, and I don't know that Herman Edwards was really a stable coach for us. We had Todd Haley, that wasn't stable. Then we had Romeo Cornell, that wasn't stable. Andy Reid brought stability. Alex Smith brought stability. And one of the concerns you have is, you know, Mahomes developed really quick. I think everybody would admit that, that he became a really great quarterback faster than we could even imagine. And a lot of people would say that Andy Reid has a lot to do with that. But on the other hand, at some point, you have to be able to criticize and look at, well, has Andy Reid learned from past mistakes? And at this point in his career, coach head, as head coach for 20 years, is he going to learn from those mistakes? He's had problems with clock management. Um, he's had problems late in the games. I don't know who made the decision to sit, you know, Mike Pinnell. Maybe he gave that all to Spagnola and he's a trooper because I think Andy Reid doesn't like throwing people under the bus. I'm not, I, I don't know that there's a better option out there, but I think we at least have to start really critically looking at Andy Reid to see if, is he the guy, he can take you from point A to point B, and he did that for us. Can he get you to point C? I don't know the answer to that question because he didn't well, do that I'll, with the I'll Eagles. Say, I'll, I'll say this. Mike Pennell is probably not going to be inactive anymore uh, because, unfortunately, Ogba has been lost for the season uh, with a torn injury. Uh, but, but Zach, he does raise a lot of great points. I mean, the Chiefs, and I know you alluded to this a little bit, the Chiefs are on the wrong end of so many of these weird stats that you've honestly never heard. Like, you hear teams say, oh, well, uh, Tom Brady is the you know third quarterback to throw for this many yards and this many touchdowns and a win. And the Chiefs have had some of that with Mahomes. He's obviously been great, but in these losses, the Chiefs have found those eccentric ways to lose, for lack of a better term. You're absolutely right on that. I think that one point I would make on this specifically, though, and this is you know maybe going to light a little bit of, you know, maybe a little more fire than I'm meaning to, but I've said this before in other conversations with family and friends. I would struggle to come up with a coach that is a better fit for Clark Hunt. And here's the reason I say that. Clark, I mean, at least to this point, you know, he has certainly shown a willingness to invest in in the team. But, I mean, we know that the Chiefs aren't necessarily his first care. That's just a fact. And so, you know, he certainly is effective as an owner uh, and managing towards the bottom line. But tell me that Andy Reid, the kind of coach who is – you know, consistently able to get you into the playoffs, more often than not getting you an extra home game every year in the playoffs. Uh, you know, great for the bottom line, and whether he wins a Super Bowl, like, eh. Like, I, I you know, don't want to just go straight to calling out ownership, but that's basically what I'm doing here. I, I just don't think that he's ever going to make that move, because plain and simple, he is stable, he's safe. Is he going to get you all the way there? Maybe not, but... You know, are we going to be fat, dumb, and happy in the meantime? Probably so. Let me let me say this. You guys remember that uh, Steelers playoff loss where the Chiefs scored two touchdowns and the Steelers did not score any? You yes. mean in the ice storm that didn't happen? Yeah, essentially. Uh, here's my thing. The, there was a stat that came out, and I don't remember how many teams it had uh, where the list was where 
uh, Team A scored two more touchdowns than Team B. It's a it's a big number. It's in the hundreds. It's between a hundred to two hundred te- uh, games. Uh, I think it might have been a hundred forty something. I remember Nick Wright made a big deal about it. Who used to be with in uh, six ten Sports Radio in KC. Now he's you know of course a national guy. Um, well, actually, I think you said it was che- the it was the first, sorry to interrupt you. I think you said they were the first team in NFL history to score more than two more touchdowns than their opponent. And lose no, 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 no. That's what I. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, a lot of teams have scored two more touchdowns than their opponents, but the Chiefs are the only ones to lose when scoring right. two more touchdowns than their opponents. And that is just a really. And on top of that, it was. It's not like you know the Chiefs scored five and the Steelers scored three touchdowns. It was two to zero touchdowns. Like that is a brutal way to lose to a kicker, essentially. Yeah. And I remember the next day, I thought to myself, I said, "Look, I'm not trusting this team ever again." I'm just not. What happened in their next game? It was the Patriots game, the Kareem Hunt game. You know, Kareem Hunt gets three touchdowns. Uh, Alex Smith found Tyree Kill. Alex Smith had the game of his life. Uh, finding Tyree Kill wide open, finding Kareem Hunt, uh, and all sorts of crazy things. So I got sucked back in because of that Patriots win, man. I said, look, we're going to do it. We, we got it this time. And then we beat the Eagles the following week, the two teams that went to the Super Bowl that year. Our season ended because we lost the Titans. Which Titans game? The playoff one. Because now I have to specify to you guys which Titans game I'm talking about now. Um, look, the Chiefs since 2017, and, and DJ, I know you texted me something very similar to this. The Chiefs have lost 16 games since 2017, including the playoffs. 15 of them by one possession. So the Chiefs are a very, very, very competitive football team with Andy Reid. But will they be anything more? And I know a lot of people are saying that he's only had Patrick Mahomes as a starter for a year and a half. Fair. That's fair, okay? We've only been able to see Patrick and Andy with in, in one postseason. But don't give me this whole excuse that Andy hasn't won a Super Bowl because he never had Patrick Mahomes. Bill Belichick got his sixth Super Bowl ring in a Super Bowl where Tom, Tom Brady played horrible. Peyton Manning got his second Super Bowl uh, ring in a season where he played absolutely horrible. At one point, he led the NFL in interceptions before he got pulled for that quote-unquote injury that he had. Uh, I mean, Joe Flacco's won a Super Bowl before. Uh, look where he is now, okay? You don't need—I mean, I like my chances with, with Patrick, but you don't need Patrick Mahomes to guarantee you a Super Bowl. He's had Donovan McNabb, Michael Vick, Alex Smith, all guys who have— been voted into the Pro Bowl under Andy Reid. So it's not like Andy Reid's had bad quarterbacks in the 20 years he's been in the NFL before Patrick Mahomes came into the picture. He's had great quarterbacks in the past. So this whole notion that, oh, well, he's only had Patrick for a year and a half, I'm aware. But I can I can still see it ending similarly, whether you have Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith, Mike Vick, McNabb, I just see it ending the same way, guys. That's why I'm saying, look, I know you'll win so many games with Andy. You mentioned the the numbers, Zach, second all-time among active head coaches, but is is it going to be anything more than that? I just don't think so. That's my final word. I'll let you guys uh, each get the last word on this. Zach, you go first. I mean, ultimately, I'm not uh, – I, I still think that you know, Andy and Pat have more in store. I hope that you know. I, I hope that I uh, don't have to eat those words at some point because I do think that you know Pat does eventually get Andy a Super Bowl. Uh, but 
I mean, all of your concerns are certainly merited, man. I mean, just the sheer volume of times that we've had, you know, just fluky losses one way or another. And, like, it's the little things especially. I mean, you know, things like the Colquitt uh, issue that we had there with, you know, the, the miscommunicated snap or the fact that, you know, on the touchdown when Henry walked right into the end zone, uh, we only had 10 guys on the field. Uh, you know, little stupid things like that that shouldn't happen at a high school level, let alone in the pros. That's the sort of thing that gives me the most concern because championship teams don't do stuff like that. So, I mean, I hear you. I just don't think that, you know, I, I'm not convinced that it's time to move on from Andy yet. Yeah, I don't think it's time to move on from him either. But, you know, what do they call Missouri, right? The show me state. And obviously, Zach, you and I aren't there. So, but I think that's what they call it, right? Fars. Um, no, yeah, I yeah. I, I'm not there either. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I I'm in Kansas, Truman. so I'm not there either. Harry, I think Harry Truman coined that phrase. But really, so, you know, a lot of people were like, well, the Patriots have lost these games year in and year out. Last year, they lost to multiple teams where they lost to the Titans really bad. They lost to the Ravens this year. But. What the Patriots have, and more specifically, Belichick has that Andy Reid doesn't, is a proven track record of having those bad losses in the regular season and then going on to win the Super Bowl. Andy Reid has never done that. And so that's what gives you pause is, do you have faith, do you have trust that we're going to all of a sudden fix all these problems, everything will be cured, and we will just march right into the playoffs and... All will be good. I, I don't think if you're if you're objective and you're a Chiefs fan, you can't think that way. You have to look at it and say, I don't know. Like I, I, I looked at Sunday and I said, we really can't put the game in Andy Reid's hands late in the game. Like we have to be able to to have a, a, a decent lead to feel comfortable because if it comes down to a play call late in the game, I'm I'm actually frightened. Like what we're gonna do. Sad to say. Uh, I'll say this real quickly. The Packers loss and the Texans loss, both the same score, 31-24. to In the Texans loss, the Chiefs had 4th and 13 with 5-12 left. In the Packers game, it was 4th and 3 with 5-13 left. Uh, so one second apart, but 4th down distance is a little different. Andy Reid punted the ball both times. And guess what the Texans did? They converted on 4th down to keep the ball and just sit on it the rest of the game. The Packers just found a way to, to wind down the clock. It's like, you know you're giving the football back to Pro Bowl quarterbacks, and you're losing by a touchdown. You got you to gotta do something. And Andy Reid's just basically putting the victory on a silver platter for these teams. Um, you, you know, look, losing happens. I know I expected perfection this year. I said 19-0. Uh, and maybe that's you my did. own fault for thinking. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, maybe it's it's my own fault for thinking Andy Reid got things under control, but those same mistakes are happening, man. Um, and in crucial moments, you got to wonder what's the thought process in his decision making. We could go all day about this, but we covered a lot here. Let us know your thoughts nine one three eight zero eight two one one nine. Let us know on Facebook and Twitter. We'll read your text a little bit a little bit later on. But real quickly, let's go and break down this game between the Chiefs and the Chargers in Mexico. It's going to happen this time. Uh, at least that's what Clark Hunt said when he met with the media on Wednesday afternoon. 63 degrees, 8 miles per hour, 10% chance of rain. Brad Allen, the referee since 2014. He's been a referee in five Chiefs games. The most recent one, 2018 against Jacksonville. Announcers for this game, Joe Tessator. How do you say his name? Tessator? Tessator. 
Tessator. Okay, Tessator, Booger McFarlane, and Lisa Salter is the field announcer. Obviously, no TV map since it's a national game. And because we were recording this on Wednesday, we don't have the injury report yet. Uh, so because it's Monday Night Football, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday injury report turns into Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So that's why we will not have that on this episode. Uh, I mentioned his name earlier, Anthony Lynn, head coach of the Chargers, former running backs coach for Jacksonville, Dallas, Cleveland, the Jets, also the offensive coordinator and interim head coach in Buffalo, and he's been the head coach in uh, L.A., where I was about to say San Diego, but in L.A. since 2017, and he's been under guys like Mark, uh, Mike Shanahan, Jack Del Rio, Bill Parcells, Romeo Cornell, and Rex Ryan twice, so obviously a lot of notable names Right there, offensive coordinator Shane Steichen. He re- just recently replaced Ken Wisenhunt, who was fired at the end of October. Uh, Steichen joined the Chargers in 2014 as a quality control coach. He's been a quarterbacks coach, and in his second stint with the Chargers uh, right now, uh, from 2011 through 2012, he was a defensive assistant. Uh, was an offensive assistant with uh, Louisville and the Cleveland Browns in the past as well. 21st in points per game. Uh, 16th in total offense, 26th in rushing the football, where they succeed the most, or where they excel the most, I should say. 8th in passing with 270 yards. Phillip Rivers leads the NFL in passing yards with 2,816, so he should surpass 3,000 yards in this game. He's got 14 touchdowns. He's also got 10 picks, which is the third most. He had three of them last week against Oakland on Thursday night. And he's also been sacked 21 times, which is the fifth most. Austin Eckler currently leads the team in rushing. That's because he's been on the team all year long, whereas Melvin Gordon came in late with the contract issue. But Melvin Gordon's picked up some steam. He's got 300 yards. Eckler's got 340. Eckler's actually been very good when it comes to the passing game as well. He's got 52 catches for 559 yards and leads the team in touchdown catches with six. Uh, if you look at Kelsey, he has more receiving yards out of anyone that's not a wide receiver. Eckler is fourth on that list. He's got more um, more uh, receiving yards than any running back in the NFL. So a very, very versatile running back for the Chargers. Keenan Allen, everyone knows this guy, 62 receptions, 725 yards. He's 10th. In the NFL and receiving yards, Kelsey is ninth, just to give you some reference. And he's also got three touchdowns on the year. Hunter Henry, the tight end, also has three touchdowns on the year as well. As far as their offensive line goes, pro football focus doesn't think highly of them. Russell Okung is the highest rated offensive lineman with a 64.2. So, you know Chris Jones is going to have a lot of fun against guys like Scott Quisenberry, the center, or or, uh, Michael Schofield, the right guard for them. So, Well, that's not to mention that, you know, Frankly, I mean, while Okung is the highest graded, he's also been out a lot this year. Very well maybe out this game as well because he got his groin tweaked uh, in the game against Oakland. Uh, and their right tackle, Sam Tevy or TV, not sure how to say it, uh, he's also questionable or very well could be out. So realistically, the Chiefs could be going up against, you know, you mentioned Scott Quesenberry and Michael Schofield, but, you know, you could see a rookie third rounder, uh, Trey Pipkins, on the left tackle side. And then Trent Scott, a second-year undrafted free agent out of Grambling State, on the right side. Uh, suffice it to say that for an immobile quarterback such as Philip Rivers, this does not bode well. Yeah, and you're not, you're not going to have Emmanuel Ogba. I know Frank Clark struggled. Uh, DJ, how do you see this defensive line? You know, you know what you're getting in Chris Jones, but the rest of the defensive line, Alex Okafor, still out. Uh, I mean, do you still do you still do you, do you agree with that, Zach? Do you still think that they'll show up and have a big game? 
I do. So, you know, we talked earlier about how the Chiefs have struggled against mobile quarterbacks. And I think we would agree that Philip Rivers is far from a mobile quarterback. He's a statute back there. So um, even without Ogba, um, you know, I'm sure K-Pass will be out there a lot. Uh, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, in whatever capacity Frank Clark is in these days. We we should get pressure. We should be able to get um, – sacks and hopefully create turnovers which we really haven't had a lot of turnovers this year um no i didn't look up the stats but just going off of the eye test and the games i i know that we haven't had a lot of turnovers this year and i think we've had one from our safeties i think thornhill had one at the end of the half against the uh um the colts i think maybe it was the titans but I I do think I I think we'll get enough pressure against the Chargers. We should be able to score against the Chargers. I don't think I I don't know if you guys have heard is Derwin James supposed to play in that game? I know he's been kind of maybe practicing. Nah, he's out for the year. So he's out for the oh, so he's out for the year. So yeah, we, if here's what I'll say: if we don't win that game, I can only imagine what Chiefs Twitter is going to be. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to look up the um, turnover sets, but. A little bit slow on the uh, on the Wi-Fi there, so uh, obviously uh, not not the ideal. Well, okay, I got it pulled up right now. Bear with me real quickly. The Chiefs, yeah, you're right. They don't have a lot of takeaways this year. Uh, as far as interceptions go, they only have six on the season, and they've got uh, six more takeaways from fumbles. So, yeah, it's not a lot. Uh, you certainly want more uh, with your football team. Uh, switching over to the defensive side for the Chargers, top ten in points per game allowed, uh, in total uh, defense, and against the pass as well. But they're 19th against the run. Still, even though they're very good against the pass, you know the Chiefs are a pass-first team with Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins. I know he had a couple of key drops there, uh, a lot of key drops last week, not just him. Uh, but you know they're still going to air it out way more than they would r- running the football. Uh, and I know Damian Williams had that fumble LaShawn McCoy's had a couple of fumbles. Uh, you gotta you gotta rely on your passing game still. Uh, you look at some of the highlights on this defense. Thomas Davis, seventy eight tackles on the year, twelfth in the league in tackles, one sack in this game. Joey Bosa is tied sixth when it comes to sacks. He's got eight and a half. You know what's funny? Three of those sacks have been split this year, so you know he'd have even more sacks. If he got there just a little bit quicker than some of his teammates, he's the fifth highest rated edge defender by Pro Football Focus. And you look at Melvin Ingram, he's got four and a half sacks. He had two last week against the Raiders. And uh, defensive lineman Nawasu, he's got a couple of sacks. Desmond King, the cornerback, has a couple of sacks as well. Speaking of cornerbacks, Casey Hayward, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. The fifth best by Pro Football Focus standards. Uh, and by far the best defensive back on the team. you got safety Rashawn Jenkins. He's got a couple of picks on the year, as does Casey Hayward. I didn't mention his interceptions. He's got two picks this year. Michael Davis, uh, another cornerback on the team. Not very good. He's got a 54 rating from Pro Football Focus, and I think that is the guy who Patrick Mahomes will target the most this week, Zach. I think you're probably right on that. And, uh, I mean, I think the bigger key for the Chiefs going up against this defense isn't so much, you know, what defensive back we're gonna you have to pick on the question's gonna be can cam irving hold up long enough against either joey bosa or melvin ingram to keep mahomes upright that's my biggest concern and i think that you know it's probably the biggest concern of most chiefs fans this week because realistically i mean you've got two offensive lines in this game that are both 
pretty heavily hit by injuries. And, uh, you know, the good news for Chiefs fans is that we do have a mobile quarterback. Bad news is they also still have the better pass rushers. So it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, for a game that should be you know, shaping up as an offensive shootout, uh, it very well could end up being a defensive slugfest. We'll find out. Yeah, I would be shocked if they don't have somebody back there chipping um, uh, the left side where Cam Irving is. You, can't, you cannot let him be one-on-one with either Bosa or Ingram because it, it doesn't happen every play. You know, Cam can at times slow down some of those rushers, but two or three times at least a game, he just gets beat. I mean, there was an edge rush. I like how you say slow down instead of stop, because we know he doesn't stop. He can't stop anybody. Um, And he got smoked on that one we talked about earlier. You brought up Zach uh, when uh, Mitch got hurt. And I think somebody suggested that Mitch – somebody suggested on Twitter that Mitch got hurt because he was in the wrong position or he was – like, you didn't watch the play. Like, Mahomes got pushed into Schwartz. (laughs) Like, Irving had – he didn't do anything to stop him. I don't even know if he touched that edge rusher. He did briefly touch him. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it was the equivalent of, like, you know, one of the things that Tom Bahali was always great at was swatting away the, uh, you know, offensive tackle's hands when they're trying to get their hands into him. And that's exactly what happened to Irving. You know, he couldn't get his hands set to save his life. So, like, yes, there was brief contact, but very, very brief. And it's and it's unacceptable because you have a fran- we finally finally have a franchise quarterback in Kansas City for the first time since what Len Dawson and Montana probably I mean well, I know Montana we drafted, was short but that we drafted yeah yeah you're um, right you're right and you're gonna have Cam Irving protecting his blind side and let this ha- I mean it's not just one game it. I saw it against the Texans. There was a play where Mahomes got hit really, really hard because Cam just could not block his guy. Uh, the Colts game, he stepped on Mahomes' ankle, and that affected the rest of the game. It's it's every week there's a problem. And I'm not blaming – here, I, I, I don't want to become like the, the, the quintessential member of the Cam Irving, Irving uh, hate club. I, I don't want Cam Irving to think that I hate him. I don't hate him. I don't know him. But um, somebody is putting him out there expecting um, something different each week. And what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result? It's not going to happen. And maybe we don't have a better option. I don't want to believe I think that. that's the issue. Yeah, I, I was going to say that Maybe it too. is. I don't want to believe that, though. I, I, I feel like there's got to be some better option than what we have because – what we have at least one or two times a week is putting our quarterback and now some of our other players at risk. And he's Zach, you're absolutely right. He's a liability. I mean, if it weren't for the fact that the Redskins are a dumpster fire, it'd sure be nice to have Trent Williams. But oh they're God, not willing to trade no, him. Man. So, yeah, that's a whole Oof. other issue. I mean, we'll have to get into that sometime, but just not on this episode. As far as special teams go, uh, George Stewart, the special teams coordinator, he's been coaching. Uh, since 1989, and then he took a break, was coaching uh, tight ends and wide receivers for a while. Then he went back to special teams uh, just a couple of years ago with the with the Chargers. Uh, so he's he knows his stuff. He, he knows what he's doing. Uh, we mentioned Desmond King, the cornerback. He has a an 80 or excuse me 68 yard 
touchdown uh, on uh, punt returns against the Denver Broncos. That kind of helped the Chargers get going, but they still fell short. Uh, King and running back Tremaine Pope, uh, they handle some of the kick return duties as well. I had some fun doing some research on the special teams guys. Uh, so Ty Long is their punter. He's a former two-time CFL All-Star with the British Columbia Lions. Uh, was with Washington and Pittsburgh in 2015 and 2016, but was cut before the season. So this is essentially not his rookie year, uh, but his NFL debut, so to say. Uh, he made seven of nine field goals, and he's also got 20 punts this year. So very versatile special teams player as well. Speaking of versatile special teams guys, this is a very interesting guy, Michael Badgley. He's made five of six kicks this year, all in the last two games. He had a knee injury. Uh, before the season started and missed the first half. But as a rookie last year, he broke four Chargers records, including longest field goal in franchise history. So uh, he, he's been a, a, really a nice addition for the Chargers. Really fun fact. So Badgerly went to Summit High School, which is in New Jersey, and he was a starter as a defensive back and as a running back and would fill in at quarterback while kicking as well. So very busy guy. He is second all-time as a kicker. At Summit High School history, uh, in all of Summit High School history, with 389 points, number one on that list, former Kansas City Royal Willie Wilson, number one on that list. Willie Wilson. I uh, <laughs> never thought I'd uh, bring up his name on this podcast. So for those of you, a lot of you, I'm assuming, who are Kansas City Royals fans, there's a uh, fun fact for you uh, and a uh, Kansas City Royals connection uh, with the LA Chargers. So there's that. Uh, but nonetheless, that is your offense, defense, and special teams for the Chargers, and now. We pick the game. We give our predictions. Look, I, I, I've lost faith in this team, but I don't think they're going to lose out. Uh, this is a game I still expect to win. And you kind of dodge a little bit of a bullet here. And, and look, not to say L.A. has a great home field advantage or anything, but you still would like to play not there as much as possible when it comes to your division rivals. This is going to be a neutral site game. Uh, I'm going to say Kansas City wins this one, 24-21. All of LA's games, except for one, have been one-possession games. So it's going to be a hard-fought game all the way till the end. I know that's concerning for a lot of people, but I I think we'll pull out uh, with a win in this one. I'm going to go ahead and say 35-21, Chiefs. I just think that, you know, realistically, we've got the better offense. And I think that the defense is going to come back having choked away this past week. I think they're going to come back with a vengeance, and uh, unfortunately for Philip Rivers, he's going to be the uh, target of their current frustration. Yeah, so I I'm going to say 31-24 Chiefs. I I think it'll be a game where we're in control most of the game, and then the Chargers get a late touchdown, and you start <laughs> start getting a little nervous, but ultimately. Uh, we'll pull it out. I think I agree with you, Zach. I think we're going to get um, pressure on Rivers. He's not mobile, and we play better against quarterbacks that are not mobile. So I think I, I, we should win that game. And I think ultimately for the rest of the year, I was looking at it. I, I, uh, we can't afford to lose any of our remaining um, division games, and there's four of them. Uh, including the Chargers one. So if we win all those games, we'll win the division and we'll get a home game in the wild card round. Um, we need to win this game and we need to win all those division games. No, you raise a great point because the Raiders are right behind the Chiefs right now. They didn't, thought I, they didn't think I'd be saying that, but 
Uh, yeah, that is uh, that is the uh, two-team race right now in the AFC West. Let us know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian, at Farzine21 on Twitter, at Z Stegna, and at Chiefs Fan Chai. Let us know your thoughts. You can also text us, 913-808-2119. Speaking of text, we'll read some of your texts right now. And again, because we're doing once a week and because we've got, you know, three of us now, uh, shows are going to be a little bit longer, so we're going to have to slice down some of these text messages. As I mentioned last week, we'll read from the best ones. So, uh, got a couple here, and again, we'll we'll do our best to read as much as possible, uh, but going to have to trim it down to just the good ones here. Uh, and, and if we covered a topic already before your text, we may omit that one. So don't don't take it personally if we don't read your text here. Um, but nonetheless, out of the 6-2-6, Daniel in Florida says, Offense needs to have longer drives. The quick scoring and three and outs are showing the weakness in the defense. You know, I mentioned this last year. Those quick drives are great and exciting. Um, but that, that can also hurt a defense as well. You, you might think of momentum, but... The more a defense is on the field, you know, time of possession and depending, you know, teams can do whatever they want with this Chiefs defense, essentially. I mean, I hear you there, but if you look at the uh, you know, stats from last week, the time of possession was not the issue. Uh, the Chiefs And that's rarely. That's fair, but I mean, it's certainly not the reason we lost this past week. I mean, we had them by 15 minutes, uh, and so... I mean, I absolutely hear where you're coming from, and that you know, on a long term basis, that certainly has some merit. But that ain't the reason we lost to this Titans team. Somebody brought up, um, I don't know if it was Mike Lombardi or some somebody connected with the NFL after the Chiefs lost to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game last year, about how the Chiefs are going to have to figure out a way not to score as fast, which seems kind of ridiculous, right? But we scored really quickly. Um, at the end of that game against the Patriots in the playoffs and gave Tom Brady a long time to get down the field. You know, I, I don't know how you do that. I mean, I, you know, I guess maybe running the ball more, uh, letting more, more time off the clock. It, but it's, it, it's hard to say that that's a reason that it's costing those games. Uh, let's see, from the 270, I'm mind blown. My wife and I went to the game because we are two hours north. The problems are a mix of offensive play calling on offense uh, and bad defense. Ogbo was an awesome value. I'm not sure how they will replace him. And as we mentioned, Ogba leads the team with five and a half sacks and obviously has stepped up with uh, Frank Clark struggling with Chris Jones missing a, a couple of games. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs got the better end of that Eric Murray trade, but uh, unfortunately that torn pectoral muscle is what's going to sideline him uh, the rest of the year. Uh, Do we know when Alex Okafor is expected to return, guys? I'll look, but I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, it it seems uncertain right now. It it doesn't sound like he's out for the year, but unfortunately nobody wants to hear this. It sounds like it's week to week. (laughs) Yeah, well... Yeah, we, we know uh, the Chiefs have a bit of a history with that. <laughs> I think they've gotten better with that, but um, yeah, you know, you, you, I mean, the, the, those terms still uh, still haunt you to this day. Uh, we'll read one more text and then we'll move on. Out of the 563, I am tired of paying to watch this team lose the same way they've lost since 1994 when I started watching football. 
whether it's defense or offense to blame, doesn't matter. They can't stop big plays and they can't make big plays when they're needed. I'm tired of watching the Chicago Cubs of the NFL. I'm done. Frank from Iowa. Uh, DJ, you're our resident Chicago guy here on this podcast. Uh, Are you a Cubs fan? (laughs) I was going to say, first off, I assure you I did not send you that text because I'm a White Sox fan. <laughs> so that makes and, you the and second I kinda, one of those I've ever met. What's that? That makes you only the second White there Sox fan I've ever uh, met. Yeah, I mean we're it's hard to find us. We only come out when it's actually it's actually going well, which is not very often. Um look, you know what? The Chiefs in spite of how bad playoff lore is for that team, have I mean they've won a lot of games. Uh, Andy Reid has won a lot of games. His his oh, yeah. playoff or his uh, I'm sorry his regular season record winning percentage is I think it's six eleven or something. Playoffs under five hundred. That's 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 kind of what we talked about earlier. But I it's up to you. I mean if you if you. If you don't like spending money to go to the games, then then don't do it. I mean, I, I I don't know. I mean, I I like going to the games. It sucks when you lose, especially when you're there. Trust me. I that Titans game, I, I my wife and I did not talk all the way back, like driving all the way back to the hotel room, and we ordered crappy hotel pizza and just I told her about how bad, how much worse other playoff games have been for the Chiefs. So. It's a great experience, but you have to have the stomach for it. Yeah, I mean, frankly, pun not intended, though acknowledged. Uh, yeah, I think that realistically, you know, Frank makes a great point here. We kind of are the Cubs of the NFL. I hadn't thought of it at all like that until reading this text, but he's absolutely on point. Uh, because, I mean, find me another franchise who is you know, been pretty good, you know, you know, sniffing at the uh, prospect of success, but just never able to quite get there. I mean, for a long time, it felt like that was the Cubs, especially, you know, with Sosa. And I mean, obviously, they had a hundred year plus uh, World Series drought. That's a separate discussion. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, for it, 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 it's hard not to see some, uh, you know, pretty distinct parallels there. So, uh, yeah, well said, Frank. I mean, I wish I could tell you you're wrong, but I just can't. Uh, I do want to move on, uh, and I appreciate everyone who sent in a text. And again, like I said, we are going to trim down the number of texts that we are going to receive. So, you know, if you're going to send in a text, make sure you have a bit of a unique opinion. And I know sometimes you guys may not know what we're going to discuss. We had a couple of great texts that came in, uh, but topics we already discussed beforehand. Uh, so I appreciate you guys who did send in those texts, you know, and you know, don't be discouraged to try again. You know, maybe we'll read them again. Maybe we don't. Uh, but we'll definitely uh, continue to do this as the season goes on. Uh, I do want to read a couple of these stories. We'll make them quick because I don't want this episode to be too long. So this is actually a funny story. Uh, Brown safety Jermaine Whitehead, or ex-Brown safety Jermaine Whitehead, I should say, was released because of some tweets after the Browns lost last week. I can't remember who they lost to. Uh, not the point, but Jermaine Whitehead basically gets lit up on Twitter because everyone's basically criticizing him. He's just cursing and fighting back with all these trolls on Twitter, which sometimes you got to be careful with. Uh, I know I've been guilty of that as well. At one point, someone said he's basically, you know, wanting to fight these people in person. Uh, One troll says, give me a time and place. You suck. Jermaine Whitehead actually gives an address 
and then somebody responds and says you'd probably miss, which was just <laughs> epic, an epic response. But look, um, you know, 15 years ago, we didn't have this issue. Larry Johnson was let go because of a series of tweets he had with a few people in 2009 uh, responding to critics. You got, And I think he was the first person to lose his job because of tweets like that. You got to be very careful nowadays, even if you're not a well-known figure, if you are, you know, commenting just insane things on ESPN's page, you never know if that if your boss is going to see that and if that somehow puts a dark cloud over your company. You just got to be very careful with what you say and how you respond to certain people online. I, I get it can be hard. I've, I've been there. I've seen it, especially this week with some uh, some critics on my opinion, but you got to be very, very careful. Uh, and look at Jermaine Whitehead. It uh, lost him a job in the NFL, who might be going over to the Raiders soon. Ooh, that's cold. Shocking. Uh, <laughs> the one thing that I'll just mention there is that the address, just as I was looking it up, uh, you know, the fact that it was Lou Groza Boulevard, who Lou Groza's the only punter in the Hall of Fame. Uh, <laughs> the reason I bring that up is because, I mean, first off, that's the most Browns thing ever. To have, you know, it's the equivalent of their Arrowhead Drive. The only difference is there is, I don't know, <laughs> whatever. They're very colorful language. Yeah, that's that's an understatement. But if you really want to look, <laughs> Twitter is there for you. I mean, you know, that's what that's one of the many things that it's there for is to be, you know, the black hole repository of the internet. And uh, yeah, go and find that stuff for yourself because my goodness, I mean, you know, I think Herm Edwards said it best. Don't hit sand. Yep, you are right. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I always went by the motto of don't threaten to kill people online, um, which I think he might he have did done. did do that. And also the motto. He definitely did that? do that, yes. Yeah, you don't, you don't do that. And trust me, as an attorney, I, I deal with some other attorneys that are not ideal. And I've come close to sending an email that I would regret. Nothing like that, but still something you don't want to send. So I I live by the five-minute rule. Like, you know what? Take five minutes. Think about it. That's actually a really good rule. Figure it out. That's a great rule. I should use that sometimes. Yeah, and and ultimately, you usually don't send that email. Uh, Um, Obviously, you shouldn't be sending tweets in the locker room after the game, which is what I think he was doing. Not a good idea, um, and it's probably cost him a lot of money. Maybe he'll be with the Ra- did he sign with the Raiders? No, I, I think he's just tried out with them, but uh, yeah. okay, we'll see how that pans out. Uh, I do want to get to Colin Kaepernick, yeah. but real quickly, did you guys hear about or follow the KSI Logan Paul boxing rematch? I did not. I did not know that was a thing until I read the rundown. Same. Okay, so these are two famous YouTubers with more than twenty million subscribers, dude. There are so many kids uh, in middle school. I was listening to another podcast where a guy was talking about how his wife was a middle school teacher. Dude, so many kids want to be YouTubers now because, for those who don't know, you make $2.50 for every 1,000 views. That doesn't sound like a lot, but if you are someone that's getting millions of views and if you do lots of videos, dude, that's good money right there. Uh, I don't know how these people get famous. I mean, they just put stupid stuff online. I know Logan Paul was in the middle of controversy when he filmed at Japan's Suicide Forest, which unfortunately is a place where a lot of people go and commit think, suicide. Didn't he, he actually, suicide didn't he actually film, like, somebody? He filmed yeah. the body. Yeah. yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, it was just idiotic. But anyway, uh, KSI and Logan Paul, I don't know what they do on their YouTube channel that's so enticing, but there's an audience for it. And these guys both had a boxing rematch. They had a draw the first time. I think KSI won by decision. Dude, these guys both made $900,000 each. Nate Diaz and George Masvidal from the UFC uh, headlining the 500th ever event earlier this month. They each made $550,000. Okay, combat sports fighters don't make a lot. And they don't fight a lot either on a yearly basis. And you got to pay your coaches, your travel expenses, all these things. Um, Man, I mean, $900,000 for two guys who headlined a a boxing pay-per-view... I mean, I'm doing it wrong, man. I need a new line of work. I mean, I'm down to, uh, you know, have a chief zone, you know, <laughs> knockout. I was just thinking about that. <laughs> to, you know, if we're going to make that kind of coin, Dude. I mean, we can have DJ Ref. Let's do it, Fars. Dude, the three of us are losers. No one cares about us. We need to, like, come up with something stupid to put on YouTube. That's when that's what people care about is when we do something stupid. I think if all three of us were fighting that's at the what, same... That's why these guys have subscribers. I think if all three of us were fighting at the same time... That might be considered stupid. That, yeah, that would be stupid as well. Uh, real what quickly, we should do is we should find like a Broncos or a Raiders podcast and throw down with their hosts and film that. And that that would happens. that might be a there little bit more interesting, but I don't have a lot of confidence in my abilities there. If I'm being honest, but uh, real quickly, yeah, Colin obviously Kaepernick, not serious, but no, no. Uh, pretty funny. Final thing I want to discuss here. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, he's holding private workouts. He and his camp, they're doing it on a Saturday. Listen, I don't want to get into his politics and whether or not we agree, disagree. I've gone over that. I think his message was lost in translation with the pig socks. And people did not know exactly why he was protesting for a while. I know when Trump made a comment, that's when a lot of people got involved. Look, let's avoid that, okay? A lot of people say he sucks. Why do they say that? I think some people don't want to admit it's for political reasons. His stats prove otherwise, okay, man? He should be in the NFL, but he's been gone for a long time. Uh, There are 10 teams that are reportedly going to attend, and I'm sure more will attend uh, that maybe have not confirmed with certain sources. Uh, This is according to Yahoo Sports, by the way. Uh, They're saying that 10 teams so far uh, will apparently attend. Real quickly, are you guys expecting him to get signed? I'll go to you first, DJ. I don't. Um, you know, he's he, he is he the guy that he was when he first started back? Yeah, in, I think it was 2011. Yeah, no, you're right. 12, 12, 12. The Super Bowl uh, when Alex Smith got hurt. I I think I think they I think they figured him out, um, or at least figured out what they were doing. Um, was he a bad quarterback the last time he played? He wasn't bad. I think he had a relatively decent season. What it comes down to is, I think, two things. One is, I think there's a question about how much he wants to play and how committed he is to wanting to play. Um, and the other thing is, are teams willing to deal with the you know the fallout from having him on their team for a guy that's no, I agree maybe with you. at his best right now. Above I average. think teams are just concerned um, with not. the I mean, he's probably just average. backlash or the media circus that could come with it. Zach, do you feel that way as well? I, I do. And, you know, here's part of the reason why. So Eric Reed, who was the other 
uh, quarterback who went out and was you know, he and Kaepernick were the two who filed grievances against the NFL. Just to be clear, you said uh, quarterback. He he was a teammate of Kaepernick's. I, he's a safety, I think. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, Just yeah, want to make he sure he is a safety. My my apologies. No, you're good. Uh, but he was you know, the other party in the uh, grievance case that the two of them made against the NFL. And uh, you know, a couple of the things. I mean, naturally, he was asked about this, and uh, he he made some good points, specifically. You know, one being that uh, he heard that teams had reached out to the league for approval to sign Kaepernick, or sorry, to speak to Kaepernick. Uh, and so I was looking into this because Reed's comments were, far as I know, if you're a free agent and a team is interested in signing you, they call you or your agent. They don't have to call the league. And so I dug into the CBA because I'm that nerd. Uh, and sure enough, you don't have to notify the league if you're reaching out to somebody, obviously tampering rules notwithstanding. Uh, but you only have to, requ- you know, you're only required to notify the league after you've signed somebody. Uh, com- combine that with the fact that, you know, they're putting this on a Saturday, and supposedly the NFL has requested that that be the case. I mean, spoiler alert, you know, for those of you who don't follow uh, college football at all, that does take place on Saturdays. And last time I checked, you know, the majority of the incoming talent to the NFL is currently playing in college. So all that's to say, I don't think that many teams are going to have, a, you know, they're going to allocate personnel to, you know, one workout for a quarterback who brings a fair bit of off the field, you know, I guess drama with him, um, all that notwithstanding, of course. But they're not, you know, if I'm an NFL scouting you know, director, I'm not going to send a guy down there to scout Kaepernick when I could have him scouting a college game that... He's not going to cost, you know, the talent that I would get out of that isn't going to cost me nearly as much money, isn't going to, you know, have any of the backlash with it. And so, ultimately, I think that, you know, it's a little disingenuous. I don't know that, uh, I think that this is ultimately the way that the NFL could say, like, see, we gave him a shot. Uh, It's essentially a CYA mechanism on their part. Uh, But by the same token, Kaepernick and his camp are going along with it. So, I'm not sure exactly what's going on here. But it'll be interesting to see how he looks on Saturday. I wonder if... Kaepernick and his camper are agreeing to do it so that they can say, look, <laughs> I did it and they still won't, they still won't hire me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the timing of this is interesting. You, you mentioned Saturday. Um, it is kind of weird. Would have been easier. I, I don't know if they just now came up with this, but it's kind of weird. The timing of it. Yeah. And though, here's the one thing that I think, you know, certainly lends itself to, uh, you know, the question as to whether or not, yeah, that Kaepernick and team are going out there just so that way they could say, look, we did this and they still won't hire me. I mean, you know, here's a list of quarterbacks that are supposed to be playing on Sunday. I mean, you got, you know, Ryan Finley, Cincinnati. Pretty sure Kaepernick's better than he is. Kyle Allen's been okay in Carolina, so, you know, say he's a wash there. Uh, you know, Trubisky? Pretty sure Kaepernick could outplay him uh, based on what we've seen out of Mayfield. I mean, look, Patrick. There are a lot of backups. Oh, he's no better doubt. Than. for sure, and that's um, my point. It, it just comes down to the circus, I think. I think you're probably right, but I think that you know it's a circus of, uh, you know, I think in a lot of ways the NFL's own making. Uh, you know, I still think that. I mean, obviously they settled it out with the league, uh, but I still find it real hard to believe that there wasn't some level of, you know, a tacit owners' agreement where it's like, yeah, we're just going to not do that. 
call it collusion. I think they did by settling that case. (laughs) I find it hard to think there wasn't at least a gentleman's agreement. Yeah, well, we'll see how that all pans out. I'm sure we'll uh, talk about it again down the road. All right. Uh, Awesome episode. DJ, welcome into the podcast. Greatly appreciate you guys. uh, And uh, obviously a really good episode. So we'll definitely do it again. Next episode, we'll be back on Thursday. I'll actually be on vacation. So it's just going to be Zach and DJ. They will recap the game between the Chiefs and the Chargers Monday Night Football match. And obviously no uh, preview because it's going to be a bye week. Not exactly sure what our schedule is going to be because I know with the holidays we're all going to be busy whatnot. So there will be a podcast. We'll, re- we'll preview the game between the Chiefs and the Raiders but that's a ways away. Uh, we'll figure out who will be on at that moment. So still a ways away but nonetheless Zach and DJ are going to take over and they will recap the game against the Chargers. Nonetheless uh, great show. If you guys have any commentary you guys want to add on, facebook.com slash Farzivasugan, at Farzivasugan 21 on Twitter, at ZStegna on Twitter, and at ChiefsFanChai on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter, interact with us. Never too late to get in on the discussion. 913-808-2119, the text line. Text us, let us know your thoughts on anything we've discussed, or send us a text after the Chiefs and Chargers game, and Zach and DJ will be reading it on the recap episode next week. He is DJ Evans. I, uh... He is DJ e- yeah. He is DJ Evans. He is Zach Singa. I am Farzi Vasugan. Big thanks again to all of you guys for downloading and listening to the podcast. And we will talk to you next week. Enjoy your weekend.